host, Mia Schachter. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm a bit gender nebulous, which is a term that I made up, and you can use it if you like it. I'm an intimacy coordinator for TV and film, an embodied boundary guide for individuals and couples, and a consent educator. My interest in this work is mostly in consent, gender, and power dynamics. I offer Zoom classes live and for download through my website at sharetheloadinc.com, and that's where you can find private sessions too. Tell me what you thought of this conversation with Jimnika. Yeah, the trauma queen. The trauma queen. I definitely like had several laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> the whole like Kevin Bacon conversation. <laughs> oh my I was god! Like, Footloose. Like, you gotta watch Footloose. You gotta watch this white boy dance she, in the barn. And the response is like, "That's not gonna be my journey." I, I was know. Like, oh. I know. I know. <laughs> that the labor felt more like congruent with what I've been trying to define. Hmm. Like Jiminyko was saying, hmm. and it's all in the cost, but people don't see it being a person in this environment being here now is taxing and it's a lot you're having to do double yeah it's just like teaching why something is relevant so that you can go ahead and teach the thing that you do it's double the labor double the fun double the fun one of the things that I did think was brilliant was Jiminyka's mental health safety care plan and like having the calendar yeah I'm I'm very fortunate to have Jiminyka in my life no (laughs) how long have you all known each other only a few months I was um Yehuda who I interviewed in episode two Mm -hmm. and Cameron Glover who I also interviewed last season the Mm -hmm. three of us were working toward training intimacy coordinators and then Cameron I think first of all like her career took off in a really exciting way and the other thing was that I I don't think that I had been totally upfront with her about like how much because I didn't know like how much work this was going to be and so we got through a certain amount of planning and she was like I just don't think that I have the space for this in my schedule. I'm going to put you in touch with Jiminyka. And then, you know, Yehuda and I met with Jiminyka and we just were like, fuck yeah. (laughs) It's a vibe. (laughs) Yeah, it's a vibe. Yeah, I mean, I think I liked that. I don't know, it got me like thinking. It's like, if I had one, what would it look like? What would I put on there? I do have like an ongoing note in my phone of my current diet. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is shared with, actually with Jim, with Yehuda, with Camera and Minachi. It's like- No way! This show, yeah. So people who like want to be able to cook for me or like- Support you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. It felt really good to to be able to share it and then to have people be like, yes, please share that with me. Yeah. Um, Just to like, there's, there's something that really- like knowing that they're on that note really kind of put me at ease. Yeah. Was that the first time you'd done that? I know you've been going through your diet stuff for like an extended period of time. Yeah. I had never done it like that, but like people started asking me, like, can you send me your diet? 
and I, you know, I kept typing it out. And then I was like, just put this in a, in a note so that you can share it with people. And then that way I can like, I can update it and they can check in with it too. Today I'm talking to Jiminika Eborn, who uh, is the trauma queen, and she also is a founding member of Centauri Co., which is our um, intimacy coordination training group. She has a master's in health psychology. She has her own podcast. Remind me what your podcast is called. Trauma Queen, yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. and other than that, is just a super fun, all-around, wonderful, lovely person um, that I get to have in my life. <laughs> Hi, Jim. Hello. It's uh, a lovely, uh, what day is this? Thursday. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, if we're doing that, I got that right next to me. I'm glad. I feel like I just got permission. So that was really exciting. <laughs> yeah, be yourself. Do what you need to do to take care of your own be body yourself. at this time. Be your stone self. Um, so I kind of want to start with something a little bit different than what I normally do. And I want to ask you what comes up for you. I'm not asking you to define this word, but I'm asking you mm-hmm. what comes up for you when you hear the word labor. the first thing that comes up for me is tired like that's just the word Mm. that flashes across my visual space is tired labor um requested forced one-sided oh interesting Um, yeah but I also can I feel like in my older age, I'm seeing the positive side of like labor, right? Like labor workers, like they are amazing humans and individuals that also don't get the respect that they deserve, right? Like it's one-sided. They're doing all this magical stuff for God, Jesus, the universe, who knows for whom. So that's like the first things that come to my, my thought process is, a lot overwhelmed I don't know me I don't what (laughs) these are my emotions and feelings today yeah okay so when you hear the word labor it's like by and large kind of a negative association that you have is that accurate for the most part yeah so then let me ask you what do you think is the um what is the labor that you think that you do that people don't know that you do I don't know. Where's the list? I don't think I have enough paper. Or like, what's the biggest? Let's start with the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that I don't do labor wise that people don't know that I do is I do a lot of behind the scenes work for a lot of survivors um, and mm. doing like a lot of research. And I will look up insurance companies and help you find a therapist and sitting down and creating content like people are like oh you just do this thing and I'm like yes but also like creating things takes a lot of time and labor being in school as I'm a lifetime student that's also labor um like energy is can be labor right like the amount of energy that we put into the things that we do is labor 
Right. I th- that people are, don't think about. They don't, people don't think about that. And I think also, like, I just had re- somewhat recently, and you were privy to this, some trolls on my Instagram about, uh, the, mm, yeah, yes. these um, one-on-one consent lessons that I was offering to cis men. And as you and I had discussed, like, what is the amount that I can charge per hour so that I can, like, show up whole and, like, present and do this work because this is a different kind of labor than the stuff that I already do. And then aside from Mm -hmm. that, I also have to account for all of that behind-the-scenes work that you're talking about. Like, in anything that we price ourselves for, and I feel like we have, like, you know, similar enough work lives in the sense that like every day is different we get like hired by different people sometimes we also work for ourselves you know like in the in the grand scheme of things like we have relatively similar like work lives what I think that people don't account for in terms of pricing is like everything that you just listed right like you're not just paying me for this one hour no I wish that's that would be so oh my god but that is why our prices are higher right because there's so much that goes into what you see that is now shiny and glittery and can just say the things, but there's time and energy and stress. And maybe I didn't have a mental breakdown <laughs> in between. I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Like that's a lot. And also like, I think about the kind of boss that I want to be if one day I ever have an employee. First of all, I can't do everything. So I also need to pay other people to do stuff. And sometimes that's what like you pay me for that you don't know that you're paying me for um but then the other thing is like I was thinking just yesterday what kind of boss do I want to be or employer and I was like well I first have to start with like treating myself the way that I would want a boss to treat an employee because I am Mm -hmm. effectively my own employee which means that like I have to allow myself to go to the doctor on a work day You know what I mean? And, like, I'm thinking about you. You seem to be very good at knowing, like, I actually need to slow down this weekend. I need to go away. I need to take, like, a Mm -hmm. respite. That's something that you are very aware of in yourself, I think. Is that accurate? That's what I've seen. It's accurate, but I still could do better because I was just telling you beforehand, I just got yelled at Mm -hmm. by my mom uh, (laughs) that I need to slow down. And it's – and, I, and then I had a conversation with my manager this morning on you're doing the things, but maybe we need to not wait until things are bad to do all the right. things. Let's incorporate them in smaller doses throughout. That's a good manager. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I'm going to make um, what I what I came up with in my bath is mm-hmm. I'm going to make a like mental health safety plan and or like a schedule that I'm going to share with my most Ooh. immediate people in my life. So for like accountability as well. Whoa, is anyone taking notes? That is so brilliant. I was just told that I I need to make like a list of my business goals. And I love your additional piece of like, I'm gonna actually tell this to certain people so that there's accountability and there's like mm-hmm. check-ins around it. And I think a little part of that is like, that's how you bring stuff to you. Like, that's, that's how that happens. Yeah. And, and I think there's, you know, I'm a spiritual being. So I think there's also, like, the energy of, like, me saying it out loud. The universe hears mm-hmm. it. And it's like, we will make the space and the time for you to do these things, right? I was talking about time and money today with my manager. Mm. Um, I got tapped to do something, like, a project. And I was like, 
it doesn't pay, but the, the amount of time that I will be shown is an investment, right? So it's not a financial thing, but the time that I'll get to be on TV, oh, that's priceless. The amount of people that will see me is priceless. So it's it's also like time is money. When people are wasting my time, you are <laughs> blocking my coin blessing. Right. You're blocking <laughs> my coin blessing and she doesn't like that. Um, but it's true. Like even like the time is money. Like if, if I'm not able to function to like do all these things, I'm not making money, right? So I have to take the time to rest my body, to go get acupuncture, to get stretched, to run away for like a week and sit in silence so I can come back and do the thing. Well, and and to that, like to what we were talking about before is like, you know, any boss or any company, when you when a human works for a company, they get vacation days, they get sick days, they get all these things. And when you work for yourself, you're the person you don't. who has to get, yeah, <laughs> you're the person who has to give yourself vacation time. And you also have to pay your vacation time, which is also part of what you have to require of people who seek out your services. Like if I were behind the paywall of a company or or corporation, you would have no qualms with that person giving their employees vacation days. Right. But as soon as I try Mm. to give myself Mm -hmm. a vacation day, I'm like spoiled and it's luxurious and I'm charging you too much money. Right. I am spoiled and love luxury. So you're Mm -hmm. welcome. But it's true. It is true, though. Like people are like, oh, you can take time off. Bitch, you can take time off. Why can't I take time off? Right. Right. I know. It's this. I deserve. Really strange. It's like it's also just so expensive to like run a business. I had to like pay to. I don't know if this is like an appropriate thing to talk about on a podcast, but you know you have to trademark the name of your podcast, and do you know how much that costs? Yeah, I'm trademark. Yeah, it costs almost five hundred dollars. I don't remember. I mean, you need a like. <laughs> but I know things aren't cheap. No, I, I, this idea that like you, you come up with an idea because you're like a smart person, and then the government wants money from you in case other people steal your idea. <laughs> You're like, they're like, mm, I also think this is a good idea. Give me money. Wait yeah. a minute. I don't remember you being there in the meeting when we created this idea. No, you were not at the brainstorm for this. So. Yeah. They, I mean, business licensing, LLCs, names, making sure no one steals your stuff. Like if you create something, you should also register it. So again, no one steals your stuff. More money. More There's money. always money involved. There's always energy mm. being traded. This conversation feels like labor. <laughs> I mean, this is work, right? This is like, this is part of the work. Yeah. What do you remember about like learning about the work that you're like supposed to do? Which work, right? Like I think there's, I think there's jobs and then there's work. So which one are you talking Cool. About? Let's make that distinction for me. Okay. So I think the job is the things that society tells you you have to do. Right. And you're like, you have to do a thing to make money. They don't care what it is. You know, working at Kmart when I was young, working in mental health facilities, those were all jobs. What I get to do now is work Mm. because I choose it. I opt into it. It makes me really happy and excited that I get to do this thing and it doesn't feel like a burden. So for me, those are different. Like I used to go to job all day and then go home and create my work. 
And that's yeah. how I get to be here. I'm still in awe. Some days I would, I was talking to my friend earlier and I was like, who would have thought? And she was like, it was always in you. It's just finally people see it. And I was like, mm. huh. Wow. So that's my distinction between job and work. Yeah. Okay. So something that's been really interesting about the way that this podcast has been kind of like growing organically and like taking on new meaning that I wasn't expecting is the ways that different people are defining labor. The name of this podcast is about kind of dividing labor, sharing burden, the burden with friends, family, other people that you're in relationship with. Mm-hmm. But the way that it has like morphed a little bit is around the ways that we define labor and also around like the labor associated with identity. So like when Minachi was on a few episodes ago, they basically like slaughtered my definition of labor and they were like, and basically what you're saying is like what you're defining as work, they were defining as their purpose, which I think is, mm-hmm. yeah. And that yeah. labor is this, but it's, it's, curious to me because I don't I don't have quite the same like negative association with labor and what I've found is that when I recognize something as labor I then understand how I need to like replenish myself because that thing Mm. depleted me but it's not necessarily negative or positive it's just like an energy exchange does that make sense uh huh. But I I think there's there's differences in also like our identities, right? Yeah. Like, I'm a black queer woman, and people are like, oh my gosh, because they suddenly just discovered uh-huh. black people like three months ago, and whoo, the DMs and mm. emails I was receiving. But that's labor when people are like, oh my god, how do I be a better white person? Girl, read a book. There's plenty of them out there. Don't come to me. But that's labor, right? Like anytime, not anytime, but a lot of times if I'm around people and there's not other black people, they're like, so what do you think is a black woman? That's labor. Or can you, how many people are like, can you teach a racial justice class? Right. No, that's not my jam. I'm Just because I'm black, that doesn't mean anything. That's labor. Waking up and reading all of the the shit show sometimes can be emotional labor. Yeah. You know, preparing for the what if. Like, I don't, I wake up, I've had dreams, nightmares, all of the above, preparing my brain for the what if. That is labor. Right? So it just depends. If we're talking about, like, things that labor can look like feeding and supporting someone else. And labor can just be like emotional stress that other people put on us. So there's still actions, but it's just what type of action are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of self-care stuff do you do for this for yourself that you feel is like, like if that labor that you're talking about, you know, depletes this particular kind of energy, like what is your mm-hmm. sort of uh, correlating self-care? I'm just curious how you take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, when I'm doing well and taking care of myself, because, you know, I fluctuate on it like most humans. I'm taking more baths. I have so much bath stuff. Um, I'm taking more baths. I do, as, I, as I'm as i sure you've heard me say, I lean into my fuck it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what does my body feel? It feels like I should lay down. Let me lay down. It feels like I should read a book. I should, Or it feels like I should dance around my room in my underwear to some loud emo music, right? Like if that's what I, if I need to practice my twerking skills, 
maybe that is self-care. I remember, like, I want, can I tell everyone about your twerking routine? Yeah. Okay, the gym's twerking routine is the equivalent of, like, the power stance in the bathroom from that TED Talk. Oh, yeah. I am obsessed yeah. with the idea that before meetings when you're nervous and you need to shake off, like, excess energy, you just twerk around your room. Yeah, I have, like, a playlist um, that I listen to, and I've just added more songs to it, which I need to give to my manager. Mm. Um, and, like, going to stuff, he'll be like, you ready? And we'll put it on, <laughs> and he'll just rock out real quick, and I'm, like, dancing around and stretching and doing all the things. But it, like, moves the energy in our bodies. And it's like, oh, okay, it's it loosens the thoughts. And I'm like, okay. It shuts the voices off that tell me that I'm about to mess it up. <laughs> And I'm like, nah, this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm ready. I'm here. And it it also boosts just your energy. Yeah. Like, I don't really see people dance angry. Like, can you? I don't know. Can you dance angry? Oh, yeah, sure you can. can. Have you seen Footloose? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. next time I know you I know. really want a lift from watching Kevin Bacon dance, uh, it's a good one. I don't know if it's a hard pass, <laughs> but it's not a go-to. It's like a forbidden love story. Like he falls in love with the the daughter of like the town reverend or pastor, and he's super conservative, and he wants to outlaw dancing. It's a good movie, Jim. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. It's a classic okay. club, and then he dances really yeah, okay. angrily in this like abandoned barn. I feel like I've seen this performance redone multiple times. Probably. And I'm like, ooh. Look at all that. Get it out. Mm-hmm. When I took this, um, I took this mental health first aid class with um, Haley, the queer counselor, several months back for like protesting first aid, like street medic first aid. But obviously, I'm not a street medic. Yes. And me- mental health first aid. So we learned like um, critical incident desensitization, tapping. We learned how to like approach someone about that. We learned how to do any number of things. But so what they said was. That, you know how, like, dogs, like, get in a fight and then walk away and, like, shake like they just got wet, you know? Yeah. That we do that. Like, that that shaking is, it it releases stress hormones. I'm sure you already know this. And, and I'm actually, you can probably fill in the gaps of my knowledge here. But I think that's what you're, that's what twerking is, right? Like, it's, like, mm-hmm. you just get to, like, shake off all those, um, mm-hmm. all that cortisol and, like, adrenaline and stuff. Yeah. I've been trying to incorporate shaking, but I don't have much of, like, a shaking practice at this point. Maybe you need to send me your playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that is why I do it, right? Like, I get to release. And also, I put on music that's, like, fun and empowering. And I'm like, I am the baddest bitch in the room. You're right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right? So it's 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 the mu- it's the way you feel music. But also, I understand everyone doesn't love music, Right. It's interesting, but everyone doesn't love music. And so just physically like spinning in a circle or like doing the tapping as you were talking about or literally just shaking different parts of your body from like head to toe. Yeah. Can also be really dope. Can you explain why that is? Like, how does that work? Well, because we're, we're holding a lot of tension within our bodies. Like we are constantly in traumatic situations even if we don't realize it, like the media, the world, mm. if you get on your phone right now, you might tense up and your body just does it naturally because it's like responding to all the the different things that are coming at you. And so with the movement, your bodily, your bodily, your body kind of feels like an exhale 
And it's like, oh, we're not in danger. We get to release. We get to kind of like breathe. And I, I, I like to speak in like terms that everyone can understand. So um, and so it's like your body gets to breathe and be like, OK, I'm safe. <sighs> so it releases certain tightness in your areas and it's also allowing for more blood flow like people are like oh yeah um another thing that i always talk about is how often we're holding our breath times we don't know about all all the time we're constantly holding our breath and when you're moving and you're dancing it kind of forces you to breathe also because you got to breathe because of that like oh god i'm tired even if you're taking that breath you're forcing more air in you're moving that blood flow. You're releasing that energy that's not necessarily serving you. Hmm. It also sounds like it it might let your body know like um, the danger is over or there is currently no danger. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, especially you're, you're safe right now. What I'm thinking of is like if dogs are, if it's like after a fight, they like shake it off. It kind of indicates like that's, you it's know, done. Like it has, it's done, right? You get to like close it up. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I've been doing these, um, Venn diagrams that I think you would like, maybe I'll send you the PowerPoint, but so it's like you do a Venn diagram. This comes out of the class that I teach for activation, this part of it. So it's a Venn diagram of like rest and work. And then what, you do is you fill in like you know various things that you do in your life and there's an overlap there's some things that are like restful and uh feel productive type of thing Mm -hmm. like you know writing or like painting playing music or something like it's not exactly restful but it's it rejuvenates in some way Mm -hmm. um and then I take all of those items and put them in a new Venn diagram that's three circles that's body mind and spirit and then you do one of those for where everything is depleting and some of them just get deleted because they're not depleting and then you do another one of those three Venn diagrams body mind and spirit with all the same items for where they are replenishing and again some of them are not replenishing like I don't find sweeping my floor replenishing so that just doesn't go on that Venn diagram But what happens is that you can see so visually like any imbalance, right? Because it's like, well, my my mind is getting depleted and I replenish my, but I don't replenish my mind. And if I'm spending all this mental energy, I need to also replenish my my mind. Mm -hmm. And then there's other ways that, that you start to see like themes that go on, right? So like in my original Venn diagram with like the rest and the work, circles on the work side it was all like earth and if you correlate it to a tarot suit it's coins it's like very um you know it was like work home money basically in the middle it was all wands and swords it was create creative stuff it was like writing playing guitar dancing like all these things like this and then on the left side on the on the rest side there were like four things meaning like i don't have a lot of tools in that toolbox now if you become a member on patreon you get to join me in ongoing learning and self-study i will be posting my own thoughts and media that i find and dissecting it 
through the lens of consent and boundaries. I'll be posting journal prompts, mindfulness exercises, assignments, uh, and all kinds of other stuff, including the Venn diagrams that I was explaining to Jiminika. So if you're interested in that, it's running on a sliding scale. So no matter how much you pay, you get the same content. And it also supports the show. It helps us keep going. And then they mm-hmm. were all related to like emotional life and like spirituality. So it was all, it was like, it was like masturbation, meditation. Anyway, I'm kind of going on a tangent here. I'm sharing this with you because I think that what I admire is your ability to keep that very balanced. And it also seems like you have a very intuitive understanding of like, when I deplete this kind of energy, I need to replenish it with this thing. You keep yourself very balanced. Can you speak to that at all? Mm-hmm. Does that resonate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think certain things do do more for me. Like, I, I saw my parents twice this week. And I'm like, that's a whole different type of energy. I had dinner with my friends twice this week. Same friends. And I was like, cool, we did this. I now need to go sit in my room in silence or just not have any direct human interaction because energetically that's a lot, especially in a pandemic time where we're not around a lot of people. So like being around people and I explained this to my mom earlier cause she was like, you just, she was like, I can just tell you're, you're different. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I can't really be around people a lot. And she was like, I can tell. And I was like, it's because I'm not right. And the energy that I'm giving to people through a computer, through a phone is different than the direct connection with people because you need to have that direct response because you can see me. You can see how I'm moving, how I'm breathing, my eye contact, all the things. That's extra energy for focus as well. Mm. And so when I come out of those situations, I'm like, what do I need? I need silence. I need to not have anyone physically around me. And again, that's also me knowing that I'm a, I'm an amavert that leans towards introvert. What's an amavert? It's, it's a, just a little bi, little bi-ness. What does it mean? Uh, and it means that you identify as an introvert and but and, and an extrovert. Oh, okay. So it's like you can do both. Oh, an yeah. ambivert. Um, but I do lean more introvert. That's cute. Yeah. But you, I do lean more, more towards the introvert aspect of it. Unless like I have like a good relationship and I can connect with you. Then I'm like talking all day. But for the most part, I'm a quiet observer, which people don't know how to respond to, Mm. which is a whole nother conversation, which is interesting. But yeah, I think I've I've learned over time and like learning the things that feel good for me that feel like a refill, because sometimes we'll be like, this will be great. And you're like, nope, this takes more energy. I messed up. This is not it. Right. Do you have an example of that from recently? Does anything come to mind? The the thing that was like too much? Or you're like, oops, that was not rejuvenating like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, I think for me, if I'm like, this is going to be great. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to go on a run. And I'm like, that's a lie. I don't like to run. This is dumb. I need to stop watching other people run and think that's what I want to do. Like it, uh, it sounds great and serving of my body and all the things that people are like, it clears my brain. I'm like, false, not for me. I want to like dance in a circle or like listen to podcasts. I love podcasts and audiobooks. And I'm like, this actually feels like when you were talking about like that balance of like doing something and it also like you're nourishing yourself. Yeah. 
that's what like audiobooks and podcasts are for Mm. me because i'm like chilling but also like i'm learning and like looking outside of myself which i think is also in turn helping me when this is what i love about podcasts and this is why i started a podcast because i think we learn from hearing other people's stories Mm -hmm. we get to listen and be like oh you're a real person that's life isn't perfect and some people may think you have it all together but no you are going through things and like hearing that and i'm like oh yeah i didn't think about that it's like perspective well and you do that very deliberately with your social media presence too like you show you you show all sides of what's going on with you oh yeah i think it's when people are like my life is perfect i'm always on a beach i'm like every day you just always always at the, you just only wear bikinis that's it okay well so you're never sad you don't have feelings well then i think that's something we should find a therapist well and i don't (laughs) i don't trust you like i'm kind of like i don't know so things are always going well in your life right i don't trust it i'm out yeah and and (laughs) i think it's important i think it is i mean and i think that you do it in a like the way that you do it i think is really beautiful thanks yeah Look how I just blow through compliments. I'm like not looking at you and I'm like, you're amazing. Okay, anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) You're cool. Anyway, let's talk. Let's move on. Yeah, this idea of like learning from other people's stories, I think that is even a bit like I feel like that really ties back to Centorico and like intimacy coordination Mm -hmm. as a field. You think? I like it. Tell me more. Well, go on, go on. Tell me about this magicalness. I think about like who, if if there are only certain stories happening, like being shown, that's like a certain kind of God as puppeteer vibe. Like if that's all that's available, you know, who's pulling those strings? Like who gets to pull those strings? Like the power that that comes with like controlling whose stories we see is um Mm -hmm. because if you're saying i mean and i agree with you like we learn from other people's stories we learn from only the stories that are out there that are being shared i mean what's beautiful about social media and also youtube and stuff is that like you can actually find someone talking about almost anything everything yeah um which did not used to be the case so that's a wonderful thing but we still you know there's dearths of stories representing certain identities like all over the place um Mm -hmm. but i think especially when it comes to telling like to showing stories of intimacy and love and even things like beauty standards and like gender norms and all that stuff that is something that i think we need to have people uh coordinating those stories who are uh you know like who reflect the story that's being told a thousand percent. I a thousand percent agree because they understand all the sides of it. Yeah. Right? Like you can have an idea. Like if you were, you know, coordinating for my life, mm-hmm. you can be like, oh, okay, I feel like maybe she's gone through this and this has happened. But being a black woman is a whole different journey. And that's not something you can ever truly share and know about. Right. And so being able, and again, back to why Centurico exists, and I'm very thankful to be a part of fucking groundbreaking things. <laughs> I'm so excited. I didn't mean to like I plug love, us, but whatever. <laughs> I love groundbreaking things. I also love secretive things. That's a whole other thing. But I think 
being able to place people in the room that look like them Mm -hmm. allows for a different type of healing, Mm -hmm. right? Like even I think there's healing in creating like our first cohort, right? Like we just finished our 12 weeks Zoom part and to see how they got to see themselves in that room and see how they got to not have to code switch and just show up and just be like, yeah, so this is how I really feel. Oh, you also feel that way. And being able to take that onto movie sets and music videos and TV shows and all those things, it's just going to, and this is, this again across the board is intimacy, folks that work in intimacy in general, they get to help people feel safe so they can show up for themselves. And I think there's a different thing that we're creating that's going to change the way things look because people are going to get to be even more comfortable because someone that's supporting them gets their journey and they don't have to do labor Labor. to explain to them who they are and what they're going through. See? Whoa, I love that full circle. That was a really good full circle. I kind of do podcasts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I see you've done one more recently than I have. I... (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're totally right. It's like the labor of explaining your identity to someone is Is fucking exhausting. You and I were just talking about this. Like, it's a lot. And there's so many different ways that we are continuously showing up and explaining. Like, I'm sure people are like, what do you mean your pronouns are they and them? Then you got to explain who you are and what that means for you. And like, you don't have to, but people, that's a whole nother thing. If people expect you to do the labor for them yeah right yeah and I mean Always. part part of like I think why I'm extremely like open and vulnerable about this stuff online is because I really truly want to be able to be like just watch this thing like just go look at this thing that I said already like I don't want to explain it to you you know I studied philosophy in college um wow it's so deep I was gonna say like so I have a BA and like douchebag but uh, I actually think it was extremely useful and, uh, you know, little did I know at the time, cause I was really trying to get away with like not choosing a major. And I figured like, well, if I study philosophy, I can study the philosophy of anything. And in, it turns out, in fact, it's actually like, it's really specific. Studying philosophy is like a very, very, very specific thing. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't mean to do that. You're like, I tricked myself. Yeah, I did. But it turned out to be a really good choice. And by the end of college, I got really really into neuroscience and perception and the ways that like memory works or doesn't work depending on how you want to describe it and so all the philosophy classes and I started taking these neuroscience classes that like met in the middle of this like determinism versus free will debate um where like neuroscientists Mm. basically want everyone to agree that determinism is real and you have no there's no such thing as free will um and they try to prove that with like all kinds of tests that you know your brain knows that you're gonna click right instead of left before you consciously know that you're gonna click right instead of left like these are the these are the arguments um but the philosophical argument is in ma in more modern times the philosophical argument is that they exist simultaneously and that regardless of whether or not free will exists we need to maintain the illusion that we have it because otherwise our society would basically crumble and my thoughts on that have changed quite a bit just in terms of like how I feel about 
justice and retributive justice versus transformative justice and stuff like that. Um, But anyway, the reason I bring all this up is that there is this article that really stuck with me from college called What It's Like to Be a Bat. Have you heard about this? No. It's by this guy named Thomas Nagel. And his argument is is very much against uh, against the neuroscientific argument because he says, look, whether it's determinism or free will um, is like pretty much irrelevant because no amount of advancements in neuroscience could let you, Jiminika Eborn, understand what it's like to be a bat or me to be a bat. And to take that into identity, like, you could you could give me, like, a floppy disk of your, I don't know why, floppy disk. Like, obviously, okay, a, like, a zip file from Dropbox. <laughs> floppy disk. Do they even make that? I don't know. Thing? I'm imagining that we, like, put a floppy disk, like, in our mouths or something. We're like, ah, and then we just give it to each other. And then, oh, like. Oh, okay. Well, that. I got extreme. Yeah, I mean, that's just a visual for you. But, and then, and then I would take your floppy disk and then I would, like, upload all of Jiminika's, like, memories and experiences and all the conversations you've had and all the books you've read. I'm still not going to understand what it's like to be Jiminika because I have not lived 33 years as Jiminika in the world. Mm-hmm. And so his argument goes, it doesn't matter how much you can do in neuroscience if you want to say that, like, you know, AI, singularity, like all this shit, it kind of doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I cannot know what it is like to be you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. I, I like that. It's the, the perspective. And people are like, I understand because this happened to me. And I'm like, that is cool. That's still not the same thing. But I saw what you tried to do there. It didn't work, but I saw it. Yeah, or I've read a book about this thing, and now I understand it, or, you know, have consumed X amount of media. I have a black friend mm. that also, and I'm like, I don't know her either. I don't, that got nothing to do with me. I'm sorry for her. Racism. Mm. Like, <laughs> like, when people say wild things like that, I'm like, this is often my face. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I need. And then I'm looking around because I'm trying to escape. Right. How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? Yeah, this is not. So much animosity comes from the fact that there are people who, in their minds, wants want to help, I have to believe, in any way. And so they try mm-hmm. to empathize in that way, where they're like, I know what it's like to be you. And that's like a really remedial form of empathy, right? Like, that's like not actually that's like what we're taught when we're young is that empathy is like put yourself in that person's shoes but what we don't talk about when we're kids is like you can't (laughs) you literally can't so then what is empathy i don't know if i'm asking you do you want to yeah i was like (laughs) is this a question it was a rhetorical question but i'm also wondering what you think about i actually look at it more as like empathy is looking outside of yourself like you don't don't try to put yourselves in their shoes, but like look outside of like the, your first response of like, well, I, and it's like, no. no, just see this person and be like, that is hard. That is shitty. Like that is rough and acknowledge what they're going through instead of like putting yourself in it and trying to relate to it. Cause it doesn't always have to do that. It's all, mm, it, this brings up like 
when you're thinking about survivors, think about people that it's happened to in your life. Like, Mm-mm. why? Why can't you just see this and be like, this right here is bad. Why do you have to have something or someone in your life for you to understand? Why can't you just understand that this is bad, that this is awful, this is harmful? I'm also, like, thinking about when people are, like, you know, trying to speak to blatantly sexist men by being like what if this was your daughter that yeah why why it does i i mean i don't want it to be that person either but what if it was just this person that you see that it actually happened to Let's yeah talk about them yeah <laughs> hey look it's a whole person right it's, it's happening you can't like jump that empathy gap because without like feeling like it's someone who is the most close to you i mean that's like an evolutionary tactic i guess that's like you know, like you're yes. programmed to like care about the people in your most immediate circle of your tribe. And I think that's what a lot of uh, uh, what's going on in the world, right? right? Like people can't look outside of themselves or outside of people that identify or look like them. They can't like BLM. People are like, oh, well, what about other people? And oh, what about me? And all this. I'm like, Let's look at look at what's happening for these individuals. It has it doesn't mean that like because of these murders here I got something for you. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't mean that because of this that the Holocaust Holocaust wasn't bad either. Right. Like, we we don't we can't compare. Like they're both awful. Did you know that a lot of the youth don't even know about the Holocaust? That's a whole. That's some Wait, shit. Wait, what? Yeah, they did a survey that a lot of I don't know whoever's underneath us. Have never heard about the Holocaust. Whoa. Yeah. Brain fuck, right? But but that's what I mean. Like like the the looking outside of yourself is okay. Like it's it's fine. You don't necessarily need to keep comparing the apples to the apples. You know, I think that or you don't yeah. even have to compare. No, exactly, of course. We don't like why also like it's not like as we look at th- this group or this person's pain that we reduce how much we look at this other terrible thing. Like we're correct. Yeah. It's like things can be equally awful. Right. Right. I mean, that's reminding me even of like the argument that, you know, if people can get gay married, then my straight marriage is at risk. It's like, no, it's not. No one's touching you by like loving someone else that has nothing to do with you. Um, but wait, hang on a second, because this this image came to mind when you were talking about, like, empathy. The way that you're talking about empathy is this really um, supportive way where we are still our own individual people. Whereas, like, I think the way that we're taught empathy is that basically one person has to, like, um, uh, become a parasite to, like, this other person to experience things from their point of view in order to like be compassionate or relate. And I mean that that to me is actually striking a very like that rings very colonizy colonizery to me. That like I need to actually mm-hmm. like you know uh what's it called when you like need an exorcism? Like I uh you're what's that called? when you're possessed Possessed. yeah like I need to ooh and what a word there I need to possess you by like being you know looking at things through your eyeballs in order to understand what that you're in pain or that you are sad Mm -hmm. or that you're happy or whatever it is and I like I need to occupy you 
And that's not what, like that is empathy that does not feel good. I'm teaching some upcoming classes that I'm excited about. One is a boundaries and consent class for actors where I will go over your rights as an actor and also how to work with an intimacy coordinator and how to navigate consent and boundaries on set when you don't have an intimacy coordinator. I'm also offering a class with a friend and colleague, Catherine O'Keefe, another intimacy coordinator on writing intimacy. Um, other than that, I'm teaching Boundaries and Consent for the Revolution with Activation Residency for white people, a solidarity course that is meant to help us somatically prepare our bodies for conflict and for taking feedback. I'm teaching that every two weeks and you can get to that through the Activation Residency Instagram account. I also teach a Boundaries and Consent class for everyone once a month and you can check my site for that. I offer a class for directors as well on a monthly basis. I just added a class called Self-Consent and Preparing the Nervous System. I'm super, super excited about that class. I'll be offering that on a semi-recurring basis. You can check my site and my Instagram. That class uh, has any other class that I've taught as a prerequisite, including the recorded download. So if you wanna take that class, you could record a download. There's a free download on my website now for the interpersonal class. And then you could sign up for that self-consent and preparing the nervous system. Oftentimes, when I when I see things like that, um, it feels more harmful sometimes. Yeah, and they're like, and that's when those conversations. Well, I don't know anyone that's ever gone through that, so it can't be real. I just told you this happened to me. Now you know someone mm -hmm. that this has happened to. It's real, or you just read this article that it happened to this person. You see right. it. Like, why do you need to compare it to someone else close to you? It's it's true. Like, if we looked outside of ourselves more, like, I, I tend to do a lot of research and I get bored and just start looking up articles, especially marijuana <laughs> assistant. Um, and I'm like, well, how do the, what's going on for these people, right? Like, I have books on, on folks, the trans identity, like, who these, who these individuals are, like, just understanding who people are like I don't I will never know what it's like right. to be trans but I can read and understand like oh that's something else right I think that's mm. part of empathy being like oh that has nothing to do with me but I can learn about this person I can understand and if I'm allowed to I can ask questions yeah. to kind of further my connection so it doesn't I don't need to have that well the comparison I think it's what it needs to be more about is looking outside of yourself and the connection with, ooh, this is good. I'm, make, I'm making this up it. as we go. But the connection with that person that's expressing the action or thing that's happening for them and you just being like, oh, you're a whole person and seeing these individuals as whole people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being able to care for them without understanding exactly what they're going through. Yeah. Again, just being like, oh, wow, that sounds awful. I don't know what it's like to walk outside and have to worry about who's going to question me or certain things for that type of identity. I have my own 
things that people question and, and judge, right? But that's, again, we don't need to compare and contrast. It's just an understanding. If you go, if you tell me right now, someone came to me and said all these, these racial or slurs about me being Jewish. And I'd be like, what? That sounds wild. That's disgusting. I don't need to understand what it's like to be Jewish. I just need to know that that sounds shitty. It sounds harmful. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. How would you like me to support you in that? Done. That's it. We did the Mm -hmm. thing. Not, oh my God, that sounds so bad. I remember this one time um, when this happened to me and it feels similar. Like, what do you think? Like now that now you're adding labor Mm. again, full circle, you're adding labor to that person. Wow. There's also, I mean, that, that non-fictitious anecdote. I mean, do you remember that I actually was being trolled by Nazis? I think we talked about this. Yeah. Yes. Um, Yes. And specifically anti-Semitic Nazis, like like Nazis now just encompass, I mean, I guess they always did. Anyone who's not a fucking Nazi. Um, And that, like, your ability to say that to me and, like, have compassion for me takes nothing away from your pain. It doesn't diminish, like, what, what you're talking about is, like, not having this hierarchy of like well it's harder for you because of this but it's harder for me because of this like that is part of uh like the oppression olympics i feel like that's kind of that yeah yep like well yep that sounds gross but like it's actually way harder to you know that's like that like one up one upping thing which helps no No one one. it literally helps No. no one no one yeah could you imagine if like we had to, if we could figure out, like, who's in more pain and then, like, withhold support from people in less pain. Like, what the fuck world is that? This one. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, that's also, like, that's I mean, what they, Instagram is. <laughs> I mean, the pain and the support is held in so many different ways, right? Like, it's just a tricky, it's a tricky place, this um, Americas we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Jim, I want to ask you about your influences, um, the things, whether it's media or even people or conversations that you've had or had in your life um, that have been formative for you. Yeah, I think for me, my influences are other people. One is other people that I have found that do this work that aren't famous for it right Mm -hmm. like they influence me to keep grinding and we connect together and like it makes me want to do better and then it's also like looking at the other side of it right like the Toronto Burks Mm -hmm. the day I realized that she was following my social (gasps) medias and I we had like conversations and whatever I was just like how in the hell that is an inspiration right having conversations with people always people want to meet my old lady so much i'm like you don't even know but cheryl is someone for me that has had many lives and i will never know all of them because i've tried to ask and she won't tell me but as someone that i do know has had breast cancer twice that had four daughters and only has two that are still alive that raised a granddaughter me 
while going through her second stage of cancer after her daughter had been murdered and going to work and like re-navigating after being done with kids and then still being able to show up. Did she do it perfectly? No. And are we having adult conversations and restructuring things? Yeah, because she's human and she did the best she could. Right. So and she also taught me how I don't have to always use my hands in violence, that my tongue is the strongest weapon that I have. Um, so so for me, it's it's there. And then just seeing other black women that get to like show up and take space. I'm like, oh, yes, we can do that. We get that. So it's not like those specifics, but also it's just like groups of people that get to show up and people that are marginalized that literally don't care. And they're like, I'm just happy to be alive. And I get to like be me because there's so many people that don't get to be themselves that now that I feel like I, I am more me that I do say it loud. Hmm. I do say it proud. <laughs> that sounds like so cheesy, <laughs> but I know because I get to do that because I feel safe in my body. It allows other people to do that. Hmm. So I, it's like a continuous cycle. I hope that answered the question. When you are like good with you, it lets other people know that they can be good with themselves or in their bodies. Yes. When when talking about like inspiration or folks that inspire me, you know, I talked about my my grandmother, my mom, who, who I call mom, um, other creators and stuff that, you know, maybe aren't as well known that are doing this hard work and then they do get to be known like to celebrate together, I think is amazing um, for folks that get to just be themselves that are, are marginalized. And they're just like, you know what? You don't like it. And I'm still taking up space. And I'm like, we could do that. Oh my God. Right. Like I was like, Oh no, I'm just going to be this. And I have lost friends over just, or they lost me and they weren't friends. Yeah. Um, (laughs) people have left my life because I've been so comfortable with me. And then I look back and I was like, Oh, you were using me because you saw this before I did. Wow. That's another form of weird leech parasite possessing thing. All right, Jim, thank you so much for doing this with me. This was really fun. It just, it was nice to hang out and record it um, for other people. Um, you're welcome, other people. Yeah, everyone, you're so lucky to have Jim. We're all so lucky to have Jim. Where can people find you? Just, you know, just over here being a regular. <laughs> uh, you can find me at traumaqueen.love. Yes, it is .love. You can find me on all the social medias under Jiminika, J-I-M-A-N-E-K-I-A. Uh, my manager told me to do that because I am the only Jiminika out there. So. Yeah, for sure. That's it. I That's kind of amazing. Like, I'm thinking about it. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Consent Wizard. The show is produced and edited by Stella Hartman. Beginning and ending music is a collaboration between me and my guitar teacher, who goes by Sophia Bolt. The music in the middle is by Tyler Fjeld. 
The podcast logo is by Candace Ploy Goodman. For contact info for these exceptionally talented people or to ask a question about boundaries and consent that I'll answer on the show, you can email podcast at sharetheloadinc.com.